0: review of the Dhammapada. um, And as you all saw and experienced, that's a profound and concise uh, examination of the Buddha's Dhamma. Um, The Dhammapada is both a great uh, entry point into the Dhamma and um, it is so profound that uh, no matter where we are in our Dhamma practice, it'll provide great insight and inspiration. And so there's three more classes left before we go on our retreat. And not to make anything too special about that, but these three suttas, uh, this one, the Dattu vibhanga Sutta on Saturday and the Ratana Sutta next Tuesday night before our retreat um, are, are kind of uh, handpicked just because of where they fit after the Dhammapada before our retreat. Um, this one, the Kalama Sutta, um, I, I think it's one of the most interesting suttas, um, although I, I probably say that about everyone. Um, it is one of my favorites. I say that about everyone. Uh, but it, 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 it's a sutta where the Buddha, again, is um, emphasizing and re-emphasizing the importance of understanding what he taught and to practice just that, and use that as your um, as your dhamma practice. It's, this is the this is the Sutta that explains a Siko. Come and see for yourself. And this is what he teaches uh, the Kalamas that you must come and see for yourself. As if the Kalamas, uh, a, a, a group of people in a certain town near the Buddha, uh, were confused by all the teachers that came through, all claiming to say that you know they got the, they have the answers. They're the, they're the saviors. Um, and then Saturday's uh, sutta, the Duttubhanga sutta, is chosen kind of because of Zach. We can blame Zach for it, but his uh, inquiry into the jhanas, where that doesn't, the Duttubhanga sutta doesn't teach the genres. It concludes with saying that the jhanas are significant. And then I'll, I'm going to add a little bit of instruction on the on the genres just for Zach. Uh, and then we'll put in for everyone. Me too. And then we'll conclude uh, this series before our retreat with the Ratana Sutta, which is just a a perfect sutta leading into a retreat or anything else that we do. So the Kalama Sutta. The Buddha was walking with a large group from the original Sangha. They arrived at Kasaputta, the town of the Kalamas. The Kalamas had had heard that the Buddha was an awakened human being who teaches a complete path that is admirable in the beginning, in the middle, and its conclusion. The reason why there's that um, uh, threefold description of the practice is that um, most of the other practices then and now promise a great beginning, but many of them lack a middle, meaning a real path or a middle way And there's no real conclusion. They don't lead to something that is actually uh, useful and beneficial to us as human beings. And again, it's not to put other practices down, other dharmas down, but it's just a deciding difference between what the Buddha taught and what everybody else was teaching during his time and from what I found our time. The Kalamas went to the Buddha and told him of the many teachers that came through their town, all claiming to have taught the one true Dhamma, while ridiculing other teachers and their teachings. So the Buddha and the, the kasaputra was on a, a major trade route um, back then. So anybody that was traveling from here to there came through. Um, the Kalamas said, how are we to know which is a useful and effective Dhamma and what is not? The Buddha replies, replies, of course you are uncertain and filled with doubt. When there are reasons for doubt, uncertainty will follow. Uncertainty is an aspect of impermanence, isn't it? Then the Buddha says, do not go by reports or legends or traditions or scripture or conjecture or inference or analogies or common agreement. Or unexamined loyalty.'" I found all of that in modern Buddhism, relying on all of that. Then the Buddha says, when you find from your own experience that the qualities taught are unskillful, shameful, confusing and distracting, these teachings should be abandoned. When these teachings are criticized by the wise, they should be abandoned. Of course, wise are people that actually understand the Dhamma practicing it. When these teachings, Excuse me. When these teachings lead to harm and suffering, they should be abandoned. What do you think, Kalamas? When the three defilements of greed, aversion, and deluded thinking arise in a person, do they arise for benefit or for harm? The defilements always bring harm, Kalama said. And when a person is driven by the defilements their mind possessed, they kill other beings. They take what is not given. They take another spouse. They lie and induce others to lie, all of which creates long-term harm and suffering for themselves and others. I'm going to make a comment that always gets me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, because this is my own direct experience. Um, in many of the modern... Let me say let me phrase this a different way. In many of the traditions that I practice in and I think understood pretty well, not one of them was not touched by what we just read, including murder, including taking, taking other people's wives, a lot of lies and a lot of lies to continue that. Even though they're teaching something which is supposed to be beautiful and wonderful and pure and, and salvific. So I wondered, how did, how did this happen? How, how could people continue to follow somebody who obviously didn't, uh, weren't able to manage their own lives in any meaningful way. And it's because they were bought, they all bought into the ideology of what it could be. And again, it, 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 this isn't, I'm not saying like this shouldn't happen, these, these are bad people, but some of them are, actually. Some of them are really hurtful people. This stuff happens in the world, doesn't it? It's, it's just what occurs in the world. It's not right, it's not wrong. But the Buddha recognized it during his time, and we should as well in our time. If we're looking for salvation that's rooted in greed, if we're trying to fix a broken self that ain't broke. It's rooted in greed. It's trying to gain something that's not part of us. We are all six-property persons. We are inherently pure and sovereign by the fact that we have a human life. Period. No other explanation or justification needs to be given for your life or my life. And we don't need salvation. We just need to understand what it means to be a human being. The Buddha continues. What do you think, Kalamas? Are these defilements skillful or unskillful, shameful or shameless, criticized or praised by the wise? The defilements are always unskillful, shameful and criticized by the wise. When the defilements are acted upon, do they lead to long-term suffering for oneself or others or not? Again, they always lead to long-term suffering for oneself and others. So um, outwardly, you couldn't say that I was suffering in my um, beginning years in modern Buddhism and new AZ practices, too. I dabbled in a little bit of shamanism and this and that. Um, What was I gonna say about that? Oh, well. And so on the outside, you know, I was I was running a business, I was making some money. It all looked good on the outside, but inside, I was just getting more and more confused, more and more frustrated, and really more and more angry. And I couldn't even enjoy the life that I was living, which was a pretty good life outwardly, you know. But because I kept thinking I had to find something that would tell me what's wrong with me and fix it. Nothing could make me uh, content, could it? Because my basic premise was rooted on discontent. And because I was chasing contentment rooted in discontent, the only thing I could give birth to was another moment rooted in discontent. They always lead to long-term suffering for oneself and others. The Buddha says, so as I said, do not go by reports or legends or traditions or scripture or conjecture, or inference, or analogies, or common agreement, or unexamined loyalty. When you know from your own experience that the qualities taught are unskillful, shameful, confusing, and distracting, these teachings should be abandoned. And even though I knew some things about some of my teachers that not everybody knew, but I did, and they were shameful, I kept going, at least for a while, because they just didn't want to admit it. And I was part of this group. They were all my friends. I was conditioned to, to overlook the very things that I knew were shameful and unskillful. When these teachings are criticized by the wise, they should be abandoned. I didn't know anybody wise at the time. When these teachings lead to harm and suffering, they should be abandoned. Now, do not go by reports or legends or traditions or scriptures or conjecture or inference or analogies or common agreement or unexamined loyalty. When you know from your own experience that the qualities taught are skillful, shameless, unambiguous and direct, these teachings should be developed. So, um, this, this line about common agreement, sometimes in my writing, you might come across the phrase hyphenated Buddhism by common agreement. And the reason why I, I put that in there in certain occasions is because a lot of Buddhism is just that. In fact, one of the major heads of modern Buddhism says that you should take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of this and conjure it all, all up together. And that's your practice. And whatever that practice looks like, That's your practice. And here this wise man said from 2,600 years ago, don't do that. That's not a practice. In fact, that's just constant distraction. It's chasing salvation when there's no need for salvation. It's shameful. When the teachings are praised by the wise, they should be developed. When these teachings lead to unbinding and calm, they should be developed. Nothing until I came across the Buddhist Dhamma led to unbinding. Unbinding from what? Unbinding from views ignorant of Four Noble Truths. And there was no calm. There was only frustration, anger, confusion. And a lot of, um, looking back now, and I don't think I've ever said this before. It's, it's just kind of coming to mind now. Unskillful um, Associations simply because we were simply because I was trying to find a ground in these practices that really had no grounding, and so I was attaching myself to other people that were doing the same thing. And in that collective, you tend to just continue to distract yourself and keep yourself going in, the, in a direction that won't bring you any calm. The Buddha says, What do you think, Kalamas? When the defilements do not arise in a person, is this for their long-term welfare and happiness and for others' long-term welfare and happiness? The Kalamas replied, for everyone's long-term welfare and happiness, everyone's. The Buddha says, in this person, free of the, of the <laughs> excuse me. And this person, free of the defilements, does not kill living beings or take what is not given or take another spouse or lie or induce others to lie. So what do you think? Are these qualities skillful, shameless, and praised by the wise? They are, sir. When developed and acted on, they bring long-term welfare and happiness to oneself and others. So that's how we know. Are these qualities skillful, shameless, and praised by the wise? Now, Kalamas, one who follows the Dhamma, free of greed, aversion, or deluded thinking, alert and mindful of the path, the Eightfold Path, experiences their life imbued with goodwill. Everywhere they go, their mindfulness is imbued with goodwill, with gratitude with a mind resting in equanimity. Maybe that's what we could talk about in discussion. Do you find that that's what you're experiencing in your life, I bet you are. They are abundant and free from all agitation towards themselves and all humanity. And I bet you any aggression you might have toward people you didn't like in the past, I would bet you that's diminishing if it's not completely gone. The Buddha says, when one follows the Eightfold Path, Free from greed, aversion, and deluded thinking, undefiled and pure, there are four qualities they will naturally develop. One, they will give rise to pleasant experiences in the present moment. Notice there's nothing magical or mystical or speculative about this. It's all human. Two, they will give rise to pleasant experiences in the future. The hopefulness that's in the Buddhist teaching from 2,600 years ago, we can still experience it now. And then he says, if harm is done with no intention, no suffering will touch them. Intention is the key. If we accidentally step on someone's toe, we say, I'm sorry, and that's the end of it. And we don't go looking to stomp on people's toes that we don't like, like I used to. Four, if they remain harmless, then they can know that they are pure and no suffering will touch them. One more time if they remain harmless to themselves and others, beginning with yourself, by the way, if they remain harmless, then they can know that they are pure and no suffering will touch them. These are the four qualities naturally developed in one free of the defilements from following my Dhamma. The Kalama said, great teacher, you have shown a way to those who are lost. Through clear reasoning, you have made the Dhamma clear and taught us how to know a true dharma. We take refuge in you, the great teacher, in your dharma, and in your sangha. Please remember that from this day forward, we have taken refuge. Meaning, they are going to now follow the dharma as intended. That's today's sutra. Hope you all found it inspiring. And you know, maybe we can talk a little bit if that's what comes to mind about. Um, being imbued with goodwill and how that has affected you and your life and others around you. I don't know why I almost hit the end button. Uh, let's start with Brian. Brian, how are you tonight?
1: I'm good, John. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the teaching. Um, I was I was struck by the parallels between this sutta and the Kanda. With respect to the defilements and the direct link to sensuality, yeah, it's this this chasing after sensory contact and experience without without understanding that leads to our stress and suffering, yeah. whether that's pleasant or unpleasant, and it's it's just not there's nothing skillful about that, um, and then the the charge to don't trust anybody just figure it out for yourself and, and trust your own direct experience you don't you don't need anything other than that so yeah, um yeah and, and for me personally this has absolutely led to a calmer life experience that others notice uh it's it's just got its own almost a life of its own out yeah. <laughs> the world so thank you
0: yeah, thank you, Brian. Yeah, we're just, I mean, I can't think of an interaction I've had with another human being maybe in years that I would characterize as unpleasant. And even though, you know, I I've come—I I've, I've talk to a lot of people, I meet a lot of people. Um, and its it's just not like that anymore, where 20 years ago, it seemed like I was having an issue with just about everybody I came in contact with. But that was because I had an issue with myself all the time. You know, I just wasn't good enough. And that, that always comes up, you know, when, when we're um, when we don't understand what, what it is that we are and we want to be something else, there's always stress, there's always stupid. The, the Dhamma resolves that. Right, Jeff.
2: Yes indeed, John, that is correct. <laughs> um Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Things do seem more pleasant, just generally speaking, and a lot less irritation with people who otherwise I might have had a conflict with. Um, Yeah, no, just generally speaking, things are are better. Um, I listened to the Suda today while I was driving around between jobs and appointments, and it it struck me how... Um their, their doubts and questions are such common human doubts and questions. You know, that's kind of a universal thing. How do we know? How do we tell? And uh, what's what's a wise teaching or what's what's true or false? And it it, it would seem that another fantastic teaching by the Buddha where things are, they're, they're guiding you to the Eightfold Path, but at the same time, totally accessible, just from a sheer logical standpoint with most people. You know, try this. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, then don't do it. It just seems just so elemental that uh, um, further embellishment on his part just isn't necessary. Yeah. To, it's, a, it's a great... It's a great uh, teaching.
0: Yeah, it really is. Thank you, Jeff. I just realized I lied a minute ago. There was one disagreement I had and it wasn't that long ago, and it was with Matt. <laughs> uh, but it was quickly resolved, I think. Uh, I think resolved within the, within the framework of the Dharma.
2: <laughs>
0: Hello, James.
3: Hello.
0: i
4: definitely
5: are. notice that i am calmer and more at peace both with other people and with myself so thank you for yeah. all out so i can just get the benefits
0: yeah and that that is i mean it really is everything isn't it you know to yes. have an, an, an unwavering calm that you know is there you know, because it's who you are all right let's see what zach has to say tonight hello zach thank you for the teaching Um, I would
4: say I definitely find more calm more concentration Um, I think I came into practice what three months ago now maybe a little more a little less with uh, seems like you've been here forever. A lot of, a lot of time and intensity. And, and I think I'm also finding my way back to a little bit more of a middle path that is actually one that is more sustainable um, yeah. than the amount of time. And I don't find any issue with that. And I, I think I maintain the same level of um, calm and perhaps even more so because there's less grasping after, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to achieve or hit a jhana stage or um, just further develop understanding. You know, it's it'll come in time, and in my experience uh, would suggest that it comes in time.
0: So, yeah, and that, the, the sutta uh reinforces that too, to kind of saying, Keep going, you know, yeah, you're on the right path. And, and when you know that, time really doesn't matter, does it? Just that you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Thank you.
5: Good evening, Laura. Hi, John. Thanks for that guided meditation and the teaching. Yeah, I was just, I mean, over in the course that I've started only, I guess, maybe a year and a half ago or whatever. Um, I don't know, every time I I meditate and I come here and I listen and I, although I don't agree with maybe everything that the Buddha might teach, like, you know, oh, salvation is shameful or whatever. It's like, well, I know people that for them, that makes them happy. But for me, it's, I, I love how when I hear the suttas and the teachings and do the meditation, it just affirms more and more that it's An individual practice. It's really about the quality of my mind and, you know, what others do doesn't really concern me like as much anymore before actually, when I was involved in other religions or religious practices, I would compare myself more and like, Oh, criticize them like how devout they are or whatever. But what I love about this practice is that it's not about that at all. You know, it's really just about the individual, what you put into it. It's what you get out of it.
6: Yeah.
5: So, yeah, it's just a very, I think Jeff said it, it's just a very simple elemental practice, really. I mean, it's easier said than done, but that's why I continue to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and also the Buddha... My mother got great um, comfort from her Catholicism
5: right? and I
0: wouldn't yeah. take that away from her. And, exactly. and notice that the Buddha, he didn't go out and say, Kalamas, you're seeking salvation. You're a bunch of fools. They asked him a question and he responded. So the Buddha never went out to you know, That's like, true. In, insult anybody, That's but he also <laughs> answered questions directly yeah. because he understood that these people's salvation if you will right lies easily, in his words
5: right that could easily veer into something right
0: yeah, yeah.
5: thank you laura yeah
0: here's
3: ron thanks john <clears throat> yeah the question is that they brought up was common then common now yeah uh and this answer is just so simple it just bypasses all arguments he says well here's the test yeah. does it work mm-hmm. does it lead to harmlessness does it lead to calm if so you're good to go mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you can only apply the test by engaging there's no other way yeah there's no further study there's no try this try that you know by can dip your toe in the water it's you you if the effort is not put in you will not get an answer yeah and it's as simple as that
2: yeah it really is and
3: yeah and that that's pretty much ended my confusion uh in life in general you know yeah you know because i have seen just like you lots of different uh practices and and i continue to be surrounded by them but uh, once I put the effort into this path, th- the answer was clear right away. Really, as soon as as soon as the effort was put in, the answer would come up.
0: Yeah, that's right.
3: Was, and it is that, and it is that simple. There, there's really no, no further study in, involved. You know, there's no further testing involved. You know, there's no.
0: It's your own experience. It's the yeah. test. Yeah.
3: Uh, and at that point, uh, Occam's razor is, is
0: satisfying. You yeah. better explain Occam's razor.
3: <laughs> uh, William of Occam was an old, uh, was a medieval monk who um, put out a test as to if you have competing theories about things the one that's most likely to be true is the one that requires the least amount of assumptions or the least amount of suppositions. And and it's that simple. Okay. Where if was... you don't have to assume a lot of things like if you want to take things on faith, yeah. If you want to take things on faith, you you're starting to assume. Yeah, you know, the more you look into that, you're starting to pile up a lot of assumptions yeah. in a in a very rapid pace. And um, William said, no, nope. yeah. it's as simple as that. Pare it down, you know, with the razor, yeah. and uh, you'll you'll find you'll get closer to the truth. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't saying that this is the truth, you know, but you're more likely to, to be be in on the correct path. Another William,
0: William Shakespeare said a similar thing.
3: Hmm.
0: Um, a, a walk down memory lane. When wrong first joined the saga, when we were down on the corner, um, there was another person who joined at the same time. I thought you were... I won't say the name, but you, you know I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. I thought you were kind of tight friends and doing this together. I found out later that you were, it was just more coincidence, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't stay with the practice and you did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the reason why they, and I, I heard that when they told me why, they said there was too much talking here. They, they wanted to just meditate. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we do. So, you know.
3: Which is odd because that is why I came. I just to, wanted to to just, to just meditate. That's all I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you saw this meditate. brilliant bald guy in front of you. you uh, he's he's got something. He's, I
3: slipped through a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's true.
0: That's true. A few times I was strong stuff. He yeah. was
5: snoring.
0: You you engage in the best bright effort you could, mm-hmm. and you reap the the benefits of it. You came and see for yourself. You didn't listen. You didn't listen to my promises. I don't think I made any. Um, you just no, listen to the speakers really. in the bottom. And... Um,
3: you're were, you're were pretty brutal about it. You know? <laughs> this, this is it. You know, if you don't like it.
0: Um... Well, I've gotten a lot softer over the time, haven't I?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I wasn't an easy guy to to talk to, anyhow. You know. Well, um, yeah, we enjoyed so, ourselves. Yeah, right. Is that all you know, the old hippie uh, stuff that that comes up. You know. Yeah. You find somebody who who says it's the authority you, you do have to poke a little I oh, How okay, else would you know?
0: Thank you. Here's David.
6: So the question was about know, calm and lack of ill will and compassion. And what I find what this practice has that I'm seeing that others don't is context.
0: Something to it.
6: Without context, all those things I explained were impermanent. Now I understand within the context of something that has a resolution. And that's something else that others don't provide. That's what the Kalamazs were confused about.
1: Yeah.
6: It wasn't a resolution. Everyone promises calm. Everyone promises Happy ending. Everyone promises if you're faithful, this will happen. But there's no context. Yeah. There's no resolution. And I never worried about calm and compassion and lack of ill will. It's just a byproduct. Yeah. And for me it's, it's always about understanding. I think my first time like spoke with you. I said, oh, I just want to understand. So mm-hmm. you know, those are all wonderful things to experience, but I understand they're very impermanent. So therefore, I can be in that moment of lack of the will and recognize it. I'm there for it. So that's my question.
5: And then the context being like, Jamie, like, what is my contribution to stress in this moment is it
6: understanding in this path that allows me to understand why i don't cling to these mm. You know, if, if that that mindfulness never goes away for me so then when i don't have the will i know i because
2: yeah.
6: because before you know go through life you know think about why you don't have the will it just happens, it goes away. Sometimes you have it, but with this practice, mindfulness is at the fore. This very specific mindfulness, yeah. So, to me, it's the Buddha provided this, and you know, you can punch a lot of holes in a lot of things if you were describing. And well, you know, Buddha didn't make promises, he just said, Come. See for yourself and understand.
0: Yeah. And he taught something that was admirable in the beginning, in the middle, and in its conclusion. And don't
6: mix up too many things because that will confuse you. you know, you're easily confused.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a. There's a. Um, there's thousands of suits. because I restored three hundred and eighty, and. But they all teach the same thing, and they're all taught in the context of dependent origination and four noble truths. Every mm-hmm. single one of them, including this one. You know, that's all we're developing is a, uh, we're overcoming. Probably a better way of putting it: our own ignorance of these four noble truths. Once we do, we understand what it means to be a human being. Right, Matt. <laughs> right. Thank you
1: for the teaching, John. Uh, Really good, sound good discussion. I really like what I heard tonight. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. Thank
5: you, Matt. John, what's that sutta? I think Jen well taught it. I remember her teaching it. It's, you know, when ill will is present, be mindful that it's present. And When ill will is not present, be mindful that it is present. Or, and then they, if, he goes through a whole mm-hmm. list of. Things. Yeah, just, I can't pick the name I like too. that, that really sticks uh, with me. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, maybe. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: When she's
0: telling her husband.
5: Oh, yeah. I like, I can go back and reread yeah, right. that one. Yeah.
3: I
0: like that one. Yeah. Just to know if, if ill will is present, what does it mean? It means in this moment, I want myself or the person who's in front of me or the situation to be different.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's really, literally, an insane thought, isn't it? Because it can't be different because there it is, it's here. Whether it's a person in my face or a situation, here it is. It's crazy to want it to be different. It doesn't mean that in the next moment I can look at things differently mm-hmm. by taking a breath and not taking it personally.
6: In that moment, you have that opportunity. because You have that very specific mindfulness that now I can investigate within the vulnerable truths that path, why I have ill will. You don't have to judge it. You don't have to push it down. Mm-hmm. But then you can say, hmm, a little bit, I'm making here. Yeah. Without that, it'll just fly by and it'll pass. But it'll be,
3: but it'll be back. It'll be back. Yeah. yeah. And do I want to live
0: a life based on I making, based on selfishness, mm-hmm. or based on understanding? It's what those moments of
6: mm-hmm. self hard. It's just the yep. cycle that you're doomed to
0: repeat because you're
6: mindless.
3: Yeah,
0: and and the end result of all of this is a much more pleasant way to live this moment and the next moment and the
5: next moment
0: instead of giving in to dukkha. You know, the first noble truth is always going to be there, but we don't have to let that rule our lives or distract us away from who and what we are as human beings. And once we understand what it means to be a human being, then we understand what it means for all human beings to be human beings. And what's the defining characteristic of that? was stupid. We shouldn't expect anything other than that, but we don't have to be touched by it or distracted by it or want it to be different. It's just what occurs in the world. I, I don't know why it popped into my head. I have these ramps out the back of my house with um, uh, rubber mats on them so I don't slip when I walk down them. And the landscapers, every time they came through, would blow them off and twist them all up. And it was difficult for me to yeah.
5: like,
0: they were that violin to bend down and actually <laughs> flatten them out again. So I just I asked the gentleman, you know, I put he was mowing, I put my hand because I haven't been in. I said, I hope you don't mind. I said, but when you blow these things off, would you mind putting them back as they are? And I, was, I didn't f those things up. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, you know, he, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that you effed him up. I said, and if you didn't, if you didn't, it's okay. And I just you know, walked away. But in the past, I might have gotten my baseball bat, you know, and gone after the guy, or, or made sure he knew that I was right. And what good would it we do? Well, today the landscaper came through and or the lawnmower guy and match was perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Me getting... And sometimes
3: you have to give somebody a chance to change their mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: he, he did. I mean, I said what I wanted to say, no matter what he said. I just wanted to inform him of the situation. He handled it the way he... But he also... I mean, And and I made sure I went out as it was loading his equipment up, and I thanked him for it. Mm-hmm. Because Not because I'm the most magnanimous human being in the world, because I'm a human being, and I appreciated what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, what I'm saying is, I'm glad to be a human being. I like the person I am today. I don't go to bed at night thinking, geez, I wish I did that different or that different. I didn't say, I don't have those things anymore. I used to, I mean, I, there was a time in my life I was so paranoid about my behavior. I, I didn't know which way I was going anymore. And I don't have that confusion in, in any way. The Dhamma works, doesn't it, friends? Yeah. All right, well, uh Finish as we always do with the Metta Sutta. The Buddha's description of an awakened human being. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, they abandon ignorance of four noble truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world.
5: Thank you all
1: for a wonderful
0: class tonight. Peace, everyone. Thank you, John. Bye. Thank you, Jane. See at bamboo house. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.